the, the magic number for me was to be able to, to pay my rent in reoccurring revenue before yeah. I felt comfortable um, leaving my, you know, W2 employment and doing this full time. So I made my own VoIP telephone business under the nose of this other company that offered it. And um, I got a few customers. And then once I got to that, you know, thousand dollar mark, I said, okay, I'm comfortable now and let's do this full time. And um, it's been incredible. We've uh, grown our revenue like year after year in the last five or six years I've been doing this full time. You're listening to the Superhuman Minimalist Podcast. Here we investigate amazing humans from around the world to show how you can have superhuman impact with a minimal lifestyle. Go to superhumin.com for show notes and links. Again, that's www.superhumin.com after the show to upgrade your most important asset, you. The next episode of the Superhuman Minimalist Podcast starts in three, two, one. Welcome to the Superhuman Show. My name is Gabriel Bryan, and today I have on Matt Cummins, who is going to be breaking down how he started his very first business and kind of the journey he went through, as well as some of the tips and tricks that he does every single day to kind of optimize his life and make sure that he is effective as possible. So first of all, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've been really excited about this. Just a disclaimer for everyone out there in reader and viewer land, I have known Matt since we were probably, what, 14, 13 yeah. or 14? Yeah, early, mid-teens, yeah. It's been a while. So we've both grown a lot. We've, we've seen each other's journeys, you know, go up and down through the, through the years and that process. So I've been really excited about bringing Matt on. He has a huge amount of experience, and I'm super excited for him to share all that stuff with you. So, Matt, why don't you give us your introduction and talk about your initial journey, kind of how you got started in entrepreneur land, and then we can kind of take it from there. Yeah. Morning, Gabe. Thanks for having me. I first got started, um, I, I was always never one to uh, pick from the three, you know, multiple choice questions, as my dad would attest, yeah. <laughs> if I had options A, B, or C, I, I wanted to make up a D, because none of them fit my style, and so I've kind of always been that way, and um, I started um, realizing I could make money by myself, didn't have to be on a payroll when I was 17. Um, did my first computer help job for a fellow uh, classmate in my junior college and um, was only charging 20 bucks an hour back then before I had any, uh, you know, IT certifications or a whole lot of knowledge. I just happened to know more than they did and they were willing to pay for it. So I thought, well, that's not too bad of a gig. And uh, I like helping people too. I, a lot of the big, biggest thing I learned through this, which is most important, is uh, you know that's honestly what I wake up for every day is just help people, and the fact that I get paid to do it is a is a good bonus. So yeah. you know, um, I learned along the way that having that passion to um, not only better yourself and help people was uh, was critical to um, you know developing this from doing one or two hour a week extra cash jobs to turning it into a full, you know, six figure business. So just to do kind of the 30,000 foot view for our viewers. So you're, you're, I guess in it slash VoIP is kind of what you would call yourself now. Yeah. I've um, evolved my company from just computer help to the new trend in it, which is managed services where folks would pay us on retainer to not only be available at their beck and call with certain 
priorities that, you know, pre-negotiated, but also we monitor their equipment using some great software that's out there to make sure that we're in front of any problems that come along. And then the other half of our business is VoIP telephone communications for uh, businesses. So uh, we found a great way to make some reoccurring consistent income through those two avenues. Yeah, you're like Chandler from Friends. Even I'm screwing up what you do, you know. <laughs> but no, that is that is really important. So there's, I know there's a lot of people in the audience who, because we're all we're all a bunch of nerds, you know, in this group, and you know, it's a, we have a lot of people who are gamers or you know work part time on PC, and they always say, oh, you know what, I can help my friends. They usually get asked for free, that type of advice. So how did you make the jump from you know the the, the first job that you had at 17, how did you make that jump into a full-time income with IT? Then we're going to get to the managed services next. It, it was very gradual. I've never been one to take big risks. And so, but I have always been one to work really hard. So between the ages of 17 and 24, 25, so that's eight years, um, was just a steady buildup to the point where I could run my own business full-time. I worked um, gradually picking up more and more hours per week doing the, um, my own business. At the same time, I worked, worked part-time for an elementary school, uh, managing all of their IT. And then I worked uh, full-time for an internet service provider locally here um, that uh, gave me a lot of experience in all kinds of areas. They tried their own VoIP thing, which didn't work. Um, I was their, they tried a computer repair division that was pretty much me. I was just doing all the computer repair work for less than I was charging my customers. So obviously that's not a winning strategy if you're just looking at your own personal time. But um, over the course between like 17 and 24, I can't remember exactly when, is when I just very gradually built up my own customer base. And once I started, um, the, the magic number for me was to be able to, to pay my rent in reoccurring revenue before yeah. I felt comfortable um, leaving my, you know, W2 employment and doing this full time. So I made my own VoIP telephone business under the nose of this other company that offered it. And, um, I got a few customers. And then once I got to that, you know, thousand dollar mark, I said, okay, I'm comfortable now and let's do this full time. And, um, it's been incredible. We've uh, grown our revenue like year after year in the last five or six years I've been doing this full time. Yeah, no, it's been really great to watch you because I mean, you've, you've got this huge, massive company, right? Millions of employees and all this other stuff. And I'm, I'm being sarcastic here. You've got a grand total of like, are you talking about how many people that work for me? No, no. Yeah. Employees. Like how, which, what's your team size? Oh, um, I tell everyone I'm a one man show. Yeah. And no, I have a couple subcontractors who can, um, who I can call on if need be, but for the most part, um, I've always been focused on finding ways to leverage my time. And, uh, that's proven to be uh, really good. So before we get into your personal development, kind of how you manage your time, which is really cool. So if you, if you were going to give advice to somebody now who was interested in starting their own it company, not to manage services or VoIP or anything like that, if they just wanted to go into it, mm -hmm. what advice would you give them on kind of starting up that company where to start kind of how to go about that? Yeah, I'd say the, um, the most important thing I've learned is to be a good listener. Um, don't be nervous that there are already 10 or 12 other IT companies in the area because being a good IT provider is like being a good doctor. I mean, you may have a really good 
uh, doctor who can diagnose anything first time around, but if he's an absolute jackass, you're not going to want to see him. And, uh, you know, I'm not the, I'm by far not the best in my field at diagnosing IT stuff. Um, I'm really good at problem solving, troubleshooting, but most importantly, all my customers feel safe having their IT environment managed by me. So, um, you know, work on the personal development stuff. Um, you know, the uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People book is a good way to, good place to start on, you know, just learning good people skills and learning how to um, get people to trust you and um, be honest with them and start, you know, start gradual. You don't have to buy an office space and hire a staff of IT people to start an IT company. Just start soliciting with flyers saying, I'll give you a free, uh, you know, like IT evaluation of your, of your environment. And, um, and go from there. You're gonna make some mistakes. You're gonna piss some people off. There are some customers that don't jive with you. But for the most part, if you just stick with your principles and um, be an honest um, guy that truly just has the customer's best interest in mind, you'll go pretty far. Yeah, we we talk about around here all the time. I mean, competition. For those of you who are new to the show, competition is not a bad thing. In fact, competition is usually a good thing because it shows that your area is hot. Mm-hmm. So you can always go in. You can always do something a little bit better. Yeah. Matt's doing a great example here. I mean, you're closing in on, you know, mid, mid uh, six figures here uh, just with yourself. And, you know, I, I, I know your schedule. You're going to talk about it here shortly, but I know your schedule's fantastic. So you're obviously doing something right. So, again, guys, making money at this, you don't have to overcomplicate it. Just keep it simple. Kind of follow the rules Matt's talking about. And then I think a point we should definitely touch on before we kind of venture further into, into what you're doing is do you prefer – the one-time fees or do you kind of go for the recurring contracts for IT? Cause I know those can be very lucrative. Yeah. It's all about the reoccurring. I yep. mean, you, there are some cases where you'll get, you know, you'll get monster contracts uh, where one customer may have two locations paying four figures a month. And that's always a nice boost income that gives you a lot of flexibility. And then, you know, you'll pick up a little 10 or $20 a month things over, over time. But after, you know, doing that for five years, once you look at your, spreadsheet and your numbers of all those boy it adds up and sometimes you forget about those little 10 or 20 dollar month customers because they haven't called you in two years and you go wow they're paying me and um i'm providing them valuable service um sometimes i you know i feel guilty because i wasn't raised you know on a from a silver platter and i'm like well the bottom line is they find value in it and they're willing to pay me for that so um yes i do mind sitting on the beach making, you know, $80 an hour, whether I get off my beach chair or not. Yeah. Yes. No. And that's, that's a very important thing, folks. So again, you know, 80, 80 plus bucks an hour for, wait, and it's really peace of mind. I mean, they're buying insurance is basically what that IT stuff is for somebody who's just getting started right now. What would you advise them charge for, you know, a, a basic monthly retainer? I charge my clients on a per device basis, which I think is the most fair. Um, I've run into other IT providers that kind of just cut themselves off at the knees by offering um, discounts on guaranteed hours, which that never made sense to me. I mean, I've uh, picked, I picked up about 12 contracts from an IT provider that was moving out of the area. I purchased those from him. And that's how he did his business was, um, it just didn't, didn't make sense to me. His business strategy was, please give me five hours a month and I'll you know, discount you 20%. And it's like, well, why would you do that? Um, you, so that, you know, cause that just leaves so many doors open for negotiation. And at the same time you're saying, 
I'm really not worth $120 an hour. I'm really only worth $100 an hour if you pay me, if you just guarantee it. And so I never really got that mentality. So I charge on a per device basis, which I think, and my customers agree, is the most fair. So you can have a, I've got a retail store that only pays $69 a month for their two computers and printer, all the way up to a car dealership that pays in excess of $900 a month for all their devices. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really cool. Like per device, and that's super fair too. So yeah. you know, I, I always talk about in the, the sales trainings I do and stuff like that, that you need to kind of have that edge, which is very cool. So on, on average, do you think most IT people are charging kind of for the, the hour block? And so you're, is that kind of a unique thing you're doing with the per device or is? Um, I'm not, I'm not that unique, but I, yeah, of the most, um, I've looked at like three or four different IT contracts and they've been the per uh, hour discount model. Or let's say if you pay me 400 bucks a month, I guarantee, you know, I'll be here five hours a month yeah. for free is included. Um, as far as getting back to your original question on pricing, I think the model of per device is really good. Uh, you guys want some secret tips out there on how to price your own managed service. There you go. Do it per device. Yeah. And, um, the, uh, the average cost of, like per desktop computer is about 20 bucks a month. 20 bucks a month. Is what yeah. Okay, cool. So that's, that's, that's a good number to know. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, what I offer isn't just, um, the guarantee that I'll help you. But like I said before, we've got some software that monitors their equipment and um, then they also get um, emergency access in case I'm either out of town or if I'm busy that day, uh, they do have the ability to push other appointments aside and get me out there ASAP if they deem it. Uh, you know. Yeah, because just, just for people who aren't familiar, the 20 bucks is not just your fee. You have, you know, that's 20 bucks is your, well, I'm not exactly sure how you refer to it, your, your monthly fee, and then you charge as, as needed when you're out actually working on site, right? Only for emergencies, and that's where, that's where me being leveraged as a one-man show really um, puts me at advantage over other companies is my, I give customers unlimited low priority uh, remote tickets or requests. Low priority means I'll fix it in five business days or less. Hmm. So, um, and, and that's really all we need because again, the, the proactive stuff keeps those emergencies at bay. I've only been, I've only charged and been called out for two emergencies in the five years and, you know, 40 wow. customers that I've done this, um, where it was really something totally unexpected out of the blue happened and they needed to fix now. Yeah. So for the most part, the customer's monthly bill is very consistent and they can count on that and that's what they like because they can budget appropriately for themselves. Yeah, you know, it's... Makes sense. Peace of mind really is what you're providing. Yeah. So that's awesome. So that's kind of how you got into the managed IT. And so then as you kind of grew your business, it kind of changed and developed. So kind of walk us through how you added the additional services that you you've added so far. Yeah, I, yeah, I started with the managed IT and the VoIP um, actually at the same time. Um, and they kind of each grew their own, their own separate ways. I had to, the VoIP thing was difficult. There were, there are so many different options out there on, in so many different ways you can set up a VoIP system. So if someone has a bad experience with, um, you know, a big name like Vonage for Business or Ring Central, um, that they are using totally different 
platform from anybody else. So it's really hard to say, well, I tried VoIP and I didn't like it. It's like, well, what didn't you like about it? Was it because you had to talk to India every time you needed something changed? Um, did the phones work great? Were the phones sucky? So learning all of that in the VoIP business and I went through some of that myself. I had some crappy service at one time because I was using a platform that um, the developer gave a lot of promises and didn't really end up working out that well. Now I'm in a really good spot with a really good platform. It costs more than anything else I've ever used, but it's worth it. <laughs> good Mine. ones usually do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, yeah, you get what you pay for, honestly. Very true. So it just very slowly uh, grew. It was, um, it was uh, a big mental thing at first. My first customer was uh, both VoIP and managed IT. And um, they ran a nearly uh, 12 hour day, 365 day a year business. And so, yeah, we had this agreement where I'd be available in case of emergencies. And, you know, I, at first I was nervous just walking into a movie theater, putting my phone on silent. Cause what if I got a call from them and it was an emergency and um, it took some experimenting to put all the right um, things in place, including an answering service to make sure that those who have the right access to me can get it in case of those moments. And so it's grown from like, Five years ago, I was nervous walking into a movie theater for an hour and a half to, I just went to Europe for two and a half weeks and, you know, wasn't stressed out at all. So a um, lot of uh, personal development and putting some of the right things in place to just trust that the systems will do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, goals right there. So that, that kind of covers the business aspect of it. So let's talk about now how you structure your days because you know it's impressive that you can do all this as a one-man shop and i know that you're you're not working 24 7 which is awesome so kind of walk us through what rules you had to put in place for yourself what tactics you use kind of walk us through your daily schedule and kind of show us hey this is how you do it if you want to run a you know a mid fit mid six-figure business by yourself yeah i'd have to say uh, there's, well, there's two ways two ways i can approach it i'm going to start with like a thirty thousand foot view and start with principles and that is um you have to train your customers so i've got some customers who are like me they run a service business they run out in the field half the day sometimes they're inside you never know what their schedule is going to be and then you have other customers who go to their desk and they don't leave it except to go to the bathroom and take you know and then go eat lunch and so their email is like their instant messenger and training those customers off of the email um, was probably the most important thing I had to do. Um, I had, and then in all my paperwork and my contracts, I establish that email and email is low priority only. If you want anything done and fixed quickly, you must call. Mm. So that's, that probably helped me the most was training my customers to do that. And then that, so then with that being said, that gives me the flexibility to go out and take care of my on-site appointments as needed or do whatever I need to do during the day. Um, with customers call my business number, it never touches my cell phone unless the answering service um, kind of filters them first. The answering service has a list of the um, managed IT and the VoIP customers. And they'll always ask them, is this urgent? Is this an emergency? And if they say yes, then they'll ring me on my cell phone and I'll take care of it. Um, that really lightened up my load during the day because I told my customers I only check my email about twice a day. And so, um, so that kind of, so now we get into my, my daily schedule. Uh, I wake up at five, 
and I have a home office, so that makes things easy. Um, on the days where I don't go to the gym, I uh, get my coffee going, I sit in front of my computer, I spend 30 minutes reviewing any um, tickets or emails that came in, I'll prioritize them based on um, whether the customers uh, managed IT, whether it's VoIP, are they not managed IT, that's like the lowest on the list, because obviously the people who pay me monthly get priority, and um, I'll just organize it mentally like that and take care of their issues. If I have a lot of stuff going on, I use a task managing app called Trello. Um, if I'm just really busy for some reason in the week, I'll just write out all of um, what I need to do and prioritize them. And then around, uh, so that's between like about 5.15, 5.45. And then I'll read uh, some personal development books for 15 minutes in the morning. Um, and then by seven o'clock is normally when the schedule starts you know that's when normally my tasks are due i like waking up early because a lot of stuff i do sometimes requires the customers um to not be at their computers so I'll, i will schedule things early if i have to and i'll skip that you know ticket email review at 5 30 instead do a task uh before the customer even gets in the office um and then yeah between like 7 and about 3 p.m is normally my work day where I'll schedule my tasks, whether that's remote appointments or I'm going out in the field to do things or um, acquiring new business or whatnot. And I try to be done with my day because I'm normally burnt out by about 3 or 4 p.m. Um, there's sometimes I'm really busy and, you know, you work from 5 till 7, so you've got like 14-hour days. But if you like it, it really doesn't phase you, you know. It gets tiring after a week. You go, man, that was a rough week. But for the most part, it just uh, it just happens. You really don't think about it. Cause, yeah. yeah. No, you, you're you're driven. I mean, I've I've known you for so long, so it's easy for me to say that. But you know, hopefully, it comes across the video and the audio for the podcast and stuff like that to people are listening to. But you know, we we preach about it all the time. You know, if you really want to be a hustler, you've got to enjoy what you do, and you obviously do. Because I mean, the hours you're talking about are not easy, even though you don't work technically speaking as much as you probably should, quote unquote, be working if you weren't, you know, a smart individual who was who had their their stuff down. But okay, great. So that's your day. How do you decompress in the evening? So you have this, this intensive work day. What's the next step for you? How do you kind of come off that and get re-energized? Um, hmm. That's a good question. I've never really thought that it was a process. I guess it just, yeah. just kind of happens. There are some days where I get really stressed and I think like I'm not um, satisfying the needs of my customers as well as I should. That's when I kind of do need to actually decompress and, um, I'll go outside in my backyard. I live in California where it's mostly sunny all the time. Northern California, So it's a, it's easy to go out in the backyard and just, you know, relax with my dogs and drink a beer, read a book or, um, read one of my mini magazines. I don't have time for Yeah, just do something other than, other than work. And the honestly, like sleep is the way I decompress because if I have a really long day, I'm really wired. And, um, so what I'll normally end up doing is, um, uh, most nights I watch TV for like an hour or two with my wife and that's how I, um, just kind of turn it off and sleep is the key. By the time I wake up in the morning, I, I always have a fresh perspective on everything and the stuff that was bothering me the day before doesn't seem like that big of an issue just to have that rest from it. Um, oh, I forgot. So it, if I'm really having a really bad day, then I'll cook a nice dinner because I know I'm always good at cooking. I can't screw that up. <laughs> so. If it feels like nothing went wrong that day, at least I know I can cook a good meal. Yeah. 
No, that's, that's a good point. You know, having those patterns you can fall back on and, and reminding yourself because I see it all the time with in the entrepreneur field, burnout is something nobody talks about. Nobody mm-hmm. likes to talk about burnout because we have to admit our weaknesses. And, you know, you have to, there has to be a certain level of narcissism in order to be successful here. And it's, it sounds like, you know, cooking's for you. And then you kind of got your, your evening routine. Something that I've always really admired about you is your ability to plan out. Like you have your three, two, three, five-year goals financially. You know, you, you've got a plan of where you want to live, your business and stuff like that. It never goes according to plan. Right. But that's, that, <laughs> you know, you're saying like, yeah, I mean, I, I have these ideas of where I want to be. And yeah. one time I went camping and I, I wrote all of them down. And then like six months later, they were totally different. Oh, yeah. yeah. But just the process <laughs> of actually thinking ahead, whether it actually, you know, comes to fruition, doesn't matter. Yeah. As long as you're always thinking ahead, that's. Well, and that's, and that's it. Because I, I, and that's the part I admire about you. Because you do hit a lot of your goals. I, I made the joke, you know, just before you, you came in, you know, that your, your goals for most people, your goals don't usually happen. But I mean. I remember talking to you five years ago and you were telling me your goals for your company and you know, you've gotten pretty damn close. Technically, I don't remember all of them, of course, but my, my brain's like a leaky sieve, but your, your passion and dedication to planning that out. So kind of walk us through your process of putting together your goals for the future and kind of what you look for and what aspects you really hit on, what maybe you don't goal plan for, maybe what you do goal plan for, that type Mm -hmm. of stuff. Well, I'm a, like you said, most entrepreneurs are narcissists. So <laughs> I have, you know, and you know, it's like, but you can't be an entrepreneur without being a little selfish. I mean, otherwise you just go punch a clock eight hours a day and that, and you wouldn't have any motivation to do anything further with your life. So um, my goals are mainly in three categories. I've got um, personal development goals. Like how do I see myself behaving in front of others how do i see myself in my relationship with people uh family my wife um you know what are my um you know what are my weaknesses now what do i get irritable about etc so i try to fix that and that's you know that's always comes first uh, that's that's part of goals and then i've got financial goals um for uh, right now the company is a is an LLC that's taxed as a individual so um, it's kind of all goes in one and the same whether it's business or personal goals working on going to the point where it's we can separate that and et cetera et cetera but the um, uh, until then you know I've got financial goals uh, how many um, you know what's my revenue gonna look like from each kind of customer the recurring you know the managed IT or the VoIP um, and then the um, the other goals are like, uh, where do I see myself in, in so many years? What sounds good? You know, do I want to be in this house in five years or could I see myself somewhere else in the country starting fresh? You know, what's, what would be new? What would excite me to work towards that goal? Cause most of the time when you're really busy and you're in the trenches, you really don't think about it. All you're trying to do is think about getting my inbox empty, taking care of tickets, getting stuff built, and you'll have a really busy week. And then the next week it'll be really empty and you'll have time to sit back and think, Hmm, okay, I'm bored. You know, yeah, I've got, I've got money coming in, which is nice, but you know, as an entrepreneur, you always got to think about what's next. And what really drives me is like picturing myself doing something different. So my, my wife and I are picturing ourselves living in a different state, uh, different lifestyle, a little bit easier going, um, 
what animals are we going to have? We're, we're not kid people. We got animals. So, um, you know, we don't have any kind of family goals, really. How many weeks of vacation a year should we take? Um, that's kind of, uh, so yeah, the last part of goal planning is really not planning, um, a specific goal, which I know is, uh, goes against everything you hear about smart, measurable, attainable, realistic, timely, the smart goal. Um, it kind of goes against that, but that what works best for me, uh, that works good on like a monthly basis. Like if I have, you know, smart goals on monthly basis, that works. But for the times when I need big picture goals, something that'll encourage me, make me wake up every day and work towards it. That's the most important to me at least. Yeah, no. And those, those are all really good tips in there, you know, kind of stack your goals. Um, from, from a goal perspective, is there anything you don't goal plan for? Maybe that you've kind of changed your perspective on goal wise, because it seems like you have specific goals. Is there anything that you purposely leave out or just up to chance or anything like that? Um, I was never, I really don't do much as far as like business planning goals go you know i mean if you're in a big company and organization with shareholders you need growth and that's what they look for and so they always have these goals and you know ways to accomplish them and so many customers so much revenue increase our profit um and that i never was really exposed to so i have to say i really don't do any business goal planning it's um i plan for what i want my life to look like my my wife's life to look like and then the business stuff kind of follows subconsciously into what makes that happen well, that's that's a really good point i mean i see that in the most successful people in my younger days i chased the money and i made money but you know i was not happy and mm -hmm. so i i see the my successful friends are the people who chase their personal goals and then the business kind of follows along behind that which is really yeah. cool so let's go ahead and talk about mistakes because I know people love that. You know, we talk about the successes, but those successes were built upon mistakes and failures. So let's go back to the beginning, back to your initial IT business. Uh -huh. What mistakes did you make then that you now know better and would advise people not to do? <laughs> um, there's only a few that really come to mind. It's just centered around bad. Um, I should have listened to my gut on some customers really the only bad things that happened in my business were because I got greedy. And even though in my gut, I was like, mm, this customer seems kind of shady, but I'll do it anyway. This is mm -hmm. going to be a good job. Um, good job as far as, you know, the invoice goes and, uh, ended up just being a pain in my ass. So I've, um, one of my favorite phrases I learned from a movie, I always got to ask myself was, is the juice worth the squeeze? <laughs> and that is an awesome quote so whenever i get like a new customer or something like that if i'm really not feeling like we're clicking because uh, like i mentioned earlier i think that's what's most important then it's not gonna work out and i, I won't chase it there's always something next and in the meantime i have revenue to keep me happy so um yeah. i have to say uh had i never gotten into the reoccurring revenue thing i definitely wouldn't be where i was at today um so yeah, if I made any mistake, it was not taking more risks as far as just hyperextending myself. Because that's, like I said, I'm a cautious person, and I um, built this by being really cautious. But there are a few times where um, I know now I could have done better and probably could have come out better if I just challenged myself a little bit more. So be selective on who you choose for your customers. It's the first thing you've touched on. Second one is go for the recurring revenue and 
maybe take some risks occasionally. Yeah. Those three points. Okay. Awesome. So then as you move into, as you expanded your business and grown, grown your business, like you, you grabbed, or you picked up the answering service, which is awesome. So you added in your project management and uh, some few other services and stuff. Was there any mistakes or issues that you ran into when you were setting all that kind of the extra services up, bringing in people, subcontractors, any of that stuff that you made mistakes on? You're like, Oh, you, now I know better. Mm, I have to say just uh, procrastinating and, trying to find a platform to just do it on was probably the biggest thing that stressed me out rather than just doing it and making the documentation. Um, you know, cause there are, there are so many programs and platforms out there where you can build a team on. And I, having moved some of my customer base and software from different platforms, I know it's a pain in the butt to get started on one and move to another. So I'd oh. stress myself self out over trying to, find the perfect one and then jumping on board. So I kind of procrastinate by just trying different platforms for team building. And, uh, it, um, it just delayed the process. So I'd have to say, if you're planning on building a team or getting other people involved, just start basic. If you have, you know, all these procedures and stuff that you need to share with people, just get it out there, put it in a word document, do your, you know, Camtasia or on a Mac, the snap, the mono snap tool to do your videos just do it do it do it pump the content out there and at least you'll have something to share with them if you know when the time comes and then you know work on building the platform later to throw it all in could be as simple as a google drive of all these videos you know it doesn't have to be a fancy wikipedia or knowledge base because you know, that's what i thought it had to be when i was getting into yeah. it but the bottom line is just uh, just commit and do it and then you won't be so stressed out about two things anymore you know it's not only finding the platform to put all your information on and collaborate, but then also making the content. You'll have all the content done and then you only have one thing to worry about. So that's one thing I learned recently. Yeah, no, and that's, that's huge because I see so many people with amazing ideas that don't get started. And you have people who like the best product never wins. I pitch this all the time. The best product never wins. The first product to market, you know, the product that actually gets out there a little bit, even just a little bit of exposure can push you past. There are so many examples. There are, I won't go over them now, but you can, you can check out other posts on superhuman, but there was a competitor to Airbnb. That was a thousand times better. There was a competitor to Apple. That was a thousand times better. You can look up these companies. They just never got out there because they were even more perfectionist, which is hilarious when talking about Apple, but, <laughs> but they never got out there. So it's awesome that you're putting it out there. Uh, for those of you listening and interested in getting into the project management sphere, I have a great article on superhuman that is going over the tool I personally use. Matt uses Trello. Uh, I personally use Teamwork. And they're, you know, they both have similar functionality and stuff like that. I won't speak to Trello because I don't know that program, but I wrote an article on using Teamwork project management tool for yourself. So if you ever want to get into project, uh, project management, tracking your time, which I, again, I have articles, tons of articles on that because that's a huge thing for me. Check out that article on superhumanwithanI.com about project management and how you can actually set it up and run a project just as a single person for yourself. And that will allow you to kind of grow and expand and eventually be able to use a team on those as well. So that's awesome. So what are your, so we kind of went through the mistakes and then, so now in your daily routine, it's now that you're making money and can afford it. So you, you mentioned the two week vacation, you, you mentioned you take the days off and stuff like that. So how do you manage as a single operator? How do you manage your company while you're on vacation? Uh, the procedure for going on vacation is I alert my local resources that I'm going to be gone and 
they know uh, I've got agreements with them to get paid a certain amount if anything goes wrong and if I need them. For the most part, I make myself available remotely. I just don't switch it off. You can't. You know, they'd be too much to catch up on when you get back. And honestly, I find myself bored, you know. So I'll when I'm on vacation, I usually stick to my routine of waking up before everyone else does. And I'll get my coffee going and wherever I'm at. And I'll be on my laptop for a half hour just staying caught up because it's less stressful for me to just take that half hour out of the day to be caught up than to see the inbox count growing and growing and growing as I'm on vacation. So that's, uh, that's how I handle that. If there are any emergencies, the answering service still contacts me. Um, you know, th- these days an international cell phone plan is extremely easy to do. You don't need to change your number. You just need to pay your carrier 10 bucks a day and you can use your data and phone number as if you're in the States. So that's really made it really easy. Notice out there in reader viewer land, he said international phone number. Why don't you walk us through where your last two week, three week, whatever it was, vacation oh, yeah. was. Where, where were you? Yeah, we, um, we flew from LAX to London Heathrow and then went to Munich, Germany, uh, Salzburg, Austria, um, Castle Roto, Italy, which is like the Italian Alps area, um, then Florence and then Rome and then back to London and then back home. And you were making money the whole time, right? Yeah, I was making money the whole time. My phone worked just as it did in the United States. There's The only difference was I was in a different time zone as far as my customers know. If they email me, they get the autoresponder that says, you know, I'm gone. If this, uh, if you forgot that you need to call me in case of emergency, you must call and it'll hit my answering service. You know, yeah. So. yeah, no, that's very cool. So, again, just to recap on that because that was extremely important. Matt, as a single operator, was in Hungary on his laptop and phone in the morning, checking, checking email and running his business and still making good money. So that is very, very cool. So uh, give a quick pitch, because I know there's some business owners out there that obviously the people who listen to, listen to me and Superhuman are primarily interested in, in entrepreneurship and uh, personal development growth and stuff like that. But I know we have some business owners out there. Go ahead and give us a pitch on why VoIP, a good VoIP program, is worth the money and maybe even throw in there, you know, a little bit about managed services, why VoIP and managed services are good if you own a local brick and mortar company. Yeah. So if you own uh, an office with people, uh, VoIP is where it's at. You need the reliability and the inexpensive cost of VoIP, um, but also a full featured phone system. The biggest advantage to VoIP over a traditional, you know, $10,000 box on the wall with handsets is its flexibility and constant growth. So if you buy a traditional PBX, you're stuck with that box and its features for years and years until something dies or you need something different. VoIP always changes. It's also much less expensive. You don't have to buy that $10,000 box on the wall. You just buy your $150 handsets for all your customers and then you pay your monthly fee on them. The budgeting uh, or the cost is a lot more predictable um, as far as monthly goes because we offer unlimited for each phone. Uh, but most importantly, uh, beyond cost is the, uh, you know, productive, um, what's a good way to put it is the, um, uh, improvement that you get out of productivity by using a VoIP system. A good example is a small customer of mine who has, uh, I think six or seven handsets and they run a business where they do drug testing for employers and department of transportation, et cetera. So they've got people, with these forms they've ever seen in their life and they got all these questions, you know, do I need to bring this form of ID or this, where are you located? 
in Sacramento, et cetera, et cetera. How do I get there? What are your hours? And they had a traditional phone system where they were just picking up the phone after every ring and answering the same questions five times a day and really interrupting, you know, their employees workflow, trying to get these tests done, get people out the door. So we not only saved them money, but saved them tons of employee time by putting in a menu with all the information, a, um, they call them donors, the person who would need who's submitting for the drug test. And, um, uh, they, yeah, so they, their phones are way more quiet. It only rings for people who mostly their customers now are the only ones who call because they need That's awesome. such and such test. Um, so that was a, that was really a great improvement. The problem with most VoIP systems, if you were just buy something from a big name like Vonage or Ring Central, is you sign up, you you get an onboarding specialist who speaks English, which is nice, but you know they're a couple states away and they really can't be there to see your environment and help set things up. It's those companies are there to make money, obviously, and build a huge customer base of VoIP telephones um, and customers. But the complexities of doing VoIP correctly are immense. Uh, there are so many things to consider. And that's where our primary background as a managed IT and network, you know, um, operate, uh, service provider comes into play. Because remember, VoIP telephones communicate over the Internet. And if your local network is subpar, then your telephone quality is going to suffer. And so that's where the bigger VoIP customers, they really don't care. They just want to get that two-year contract, get you some phones, get your numbers ported over. Ha-ha, we own your numbers now. You know? And um, if your VoIP quality sucks, you don't talk to your, on, your English-speaking onboarding specialist. You talk to some Indian. And if your features doesn't work, don't work, you talk to some Indian guy. Then it's just a really frustrating experience. Um, but what we offer is the same, actually better prices, um, than most of the big VoIP carriers. And you get that personal one-on-one -on -one setup and experience. I personally go out there with the phones, again, all set up, show you how to use them, give you some documentation and access to a portal, show you how to use it so you can do things yourself. And then from there you pay your monthly bill. And if all goes right, then we don't really talk to each other much. Uh, your system works. You don't have to bug me about it. And, um, Life's good. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a very important point there about you know the the personal customer service and stuff like that that you are able to provide. The so the advantage for so do you package your VoIP services with your managed IT? Usually, is there a, is there advantage to doing that or? Uh, there's no. Uh, you know, I should, but uh, I should position it that way. But there is no. There's um. There's a small advantage to that being if we're managing your network at the same time we're managing your VoIP, then you know, you're going to get the best phone call quality. That's a good way to put it. But if I want your VoIP business, I'm going to do a little network tweaking from the get go to make sure your phone call quality is the best possible as well. Um, so I typically don't make it a all or nothing deal. I have some customers that are VoIP, not managed IT. Some that are both, some that are managed IT, not VoIP. So it's all over the board. Whatever fits the customer. You know. So you, you mentioned kind of briefly the cost savings, but I know on your website, SierraMSP.com, you have some case studies and testimonials on there. Why don't you walk us through a few of those? Because I know some of the savings on those are just insane. Yeah, the, um, the two biggest ones, uh, as far as numbers go, or I say most significant to the customer, was a, a nonprofit uh, church that was 
um, spending about $1,200 a month for traditional telephone lines from the local POTS carrier, plain old telephone system. Um, And uh, they were looking at options for VoIP. Uh, Vonage proposed something to them, and then I proposed something to them. We ended up meeting um, on some terms that I beat Vonage, uh, plus you get the local service. So I tried to push that, but they were were kind of stringent. Regardless, their phone bill went from $1,200 a month, which had been increasing by about $10 a line, every year that's 10 lines wow to four now they only pay like 420 dollars a month wow 1200 dollars to 400 bucks a month yeah wow and they get new phones better features you name it i mean their old phones didn't even have caller id names or numbers on it wow now they're they're (laughs) that's crazy to think about today's day and age yeah well actually i can show you now they're so they went from a phone that has just no caller id the receptionist now has the phone i have oh yeah it's like a five inch touch screen. They can say, they can see who in their office is on the phone or not in real yeah. time. It looks uh, like a computer. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a really significant one. Um, the biggest number wise, um, was just absolutely insane. There was a customer who, you know, to show you how we can scale and accommodate to any kind of business. I have a customer now who has, a like a condo hotel up in the Lake Tahoe area. Hmm. They're, they're technically condos owned by homeowners and a homeowner association, but there is a local management office that can rent them out like hotel rooms. Hmm. And they have about 60 rooms uh, spread throughout three geographically separate areas across the street and everything hmm. in Lake Tahoe. And the only centralized system they could get at the time was from the local telephone provider where all their extensions actually went all across the telephone poles to a box in the local telephone central office. And then that box was where their phone brain was at and could route, you know, extension for extension, but it had to go all the way over the telephone pole and all the way back because they had the three separate locations. Very interesting. And um, that telephone provider that said, uh, Oh, without warning, your contract's up. And your phone, your phone bill is going, I think they were paying like $3,000 a month. And then their next bill was $9,000 wow. a month. So just wow. tripling the phone bill because they could. And yeah. um, they worked something out for the six-month deal and said, we got to find something different. Yeah. And so they got a proposal by the cable company and a proposal by me. And uh, our system went out. And so not only are they not having to pay $9,000, but now they're only paying half of what they were paying, 1500 bucks a month. Wow. To get all 60 rooms connected on a central system. And uh, we're doing it over Wi-Fi, which uh, was an experiment. Like I said, stretching yourself to do something new. Yeah, that's And then cool. we're doing Wi-Fi phones that is, you know, goes against everything. You know, you learn about doing VoIP properly. Um, but, you know, I challenged myself to make it work. And I worked with their local IT guy who manages their Wi-Fi. And we made it work. And yeah. that's Everyone's happy camping. That is awesome. So yeah, so again, you can see those case studies if you want to at sierramsp.com. Uh, we have viewers from all over the country and then also in other, other, literally other countries as well. Would you be open to working with somebody and providing advice, consultation on VoIP systems, managed IT, et cetera, if they're not in the local area, if somebody wanted to contact you? Yeah, absolutely. We okay. Have, um, 
uh, we have a customer in Nashville. Oh. Um, we've got customers in the Bay Area, you know, a few hours away. Um, yeah. My colleague, he does pretty much the same business I do. He, he's based in Texas and he's got customers in Florida and in the South. And um, it's easy to make it work. There's great technology out there that lets us do a lot of stuff remotely. Drop shipping, you know, is a, is a no biggie. So I'd be happy to work with, with anyone who needs help. Perfect. So you can go directly to sierramsp.com. Again, this is Matt Cummins. Uh, you can also go to Matt's superhuman page. So that's superhuman with an I dot com forward slash Matt Cummins. That's C-U-M-M-I-N-S. And we're going to have a recording of this show on there as well as a link to the podcast. We're also going to have the show notes and then we'll link over to his website. And then uh, I know he has a couple of different documents that kind of over, over our outline uh, 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 managed IT as well as the VoIP aspect again. So that again, that's superhuman with an I.com forward slash Matt Cummins, C-U-M-M-I-N-S. And then you can also visit him directly at Sierra MSP. So in closing, Matt, what is your number one piece of advice, mistake, whatever it may be that you have learned over your entire life that somebody had to ask you, what is one piece of advice you would give to somebody? What is that? Um, Trust your process, and even if things get really difficult, um, just trust that you'll find a way because you're a problem solver, and it's no big deal. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's really good advice for, you know, the superhuman minimalist crowd here. So, again, this has been Matt Cummins with Sierra MSP. Totally awesome interview. This interview is going to be live at superhuman.com forward slash Matt Cummins. You can also go to superhuman.com with an I forward slash podcast to see this, and then we're on YouTube and all the other places. Matt, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. As, as our normal process, we will collect uh, questions from you guys. So if you guys want to go to superhuman.com forward slash Matt Cummins, submit your questions in the box, and then in 30 days to 60 days, we'll ping Matt and have him answer some of those questions, possibly live. We may get on, et cetera. So submit those questions. They'll go back over to Matt. And then, of course, if you want to work with Matt for any managed IT or I, uh, VoIP services, you can contact him. See MSP or superhuman.com forward slash Matt Cummins. Thank you so much, guys, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Superhuman Minimalist Podcast. Minimal footprint, maximum impact. For show notes, links, and free trainings, go to www.superhumin.com now. Again, that's superhumin.com for show notes and links. From everyone here at Superhuman Minimalist, thank you for listening, and we can't wait to see the impact you have on our communities. 